Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Well, hello, it seems like the holidays are basically over and if you're listening to this on Monday, it's probably the most Mondayest Monday to ever Monday. (laughs) Mondays that come right after holidays or right after fun times are always like that, especially if you're going back to like a setting you don't like. So let's say you're going back to a job that you hate. Man, I really feel for you because that was me last year and I'm going to get to that a little later, but... Um, I wanted to share five lessons that 2019 taught me that I'm going to be carrying with me into 2020. Lesson number one, the universe whispers to you. We call it intuition. Learn to listen. And listening means you're going to have to like turn off noise. Now, noise that comes from places that you don't like is easier to turn off. But sometimes the noise comes from like your friends or your family or people you really care about or things you really like doing but you still have to turn off that noise so that you can really listen to yourself. Lesson number two, there is power in knowing what you can or can't control. I know this is a lesson that I'm still trying to, you know, get a hang on, but I have learned that life is pretty fluid if I just let it do its thing instead of trying to be like the captain of the ship 24-7, knowing damn well that, you know, there's some things that are way out of my control. Even if I lie to myself that I have controlled them, I really have not. Lesson number three, no one is coming to save you. That's your job. Yeah, it's a sad but real thing, at least for me. Yeah, you just have to get down in the trenches and do the hard work to save yourself. You are the one who is going to make the tough decisions. I mean, people can give you, and I by people I mean like your support system and stuff, they can give you advice and, and they can support you, they can hold you when you're crying, they can give you hugs. If you're like me, I live for hugs. But when it comes down to doing the actual saving and getting things moving or changing or transforming that's gonna be stuff that you have to do lesson number four be mindful of the energy you expose yourself to and by this i don't even mean people because personally i have a really small circle to begin with (laughs) and even let's say in the media industry and the entertainment industry i don't have best friends or whatever from that space Because I have gotten, you know, stubbed in the back (laughs) a couple of times. And so, and also, I mean, you know, the friends I have are friends like Val, who's been on a couple of podcast episodes. We've been friends for 15 years. So, you know, I'm more than happy to have that friend. I have my sisters who are amazing friends of mine. I have one friend who... Just recently, we realized that I've known him for 10 years. You know, so I'm, I'm really not shopping for friends, <laughs> as sad as that sounds. But by energy, I mean, like, the music you listen to and what you're consuming, the, the articles you're reading, if you're on social media a lot, the people you're following. All of those things actually transfer energy to you. So I would realize, like... If I wake up and maybe there's an account I follow that's complaining and complaining about things, rightly so, I mean, they're well within their right to do that. It would put me in a certain mood, especially if it was like the first thing I saw in the morning. 
So now I'm just very mindful about the energy I expose myself to. I'm mindful, especially of music. Music has such a huge effect on me. And now that I'm not forced to only play hit songs, because when I was on traditional radio, like the music that I used to listen to were literally just like your pop top 100 songs on repeat, which are not bad songs, but they're really not inspiring. <laughs> um, so at least now I can listen to those, but also throw in my to Erica Badu's, my India Re, my Kendrick Lamar's. Yeah. Anyway, that was lesson number four. Lesson number five. Oof, oof, oof. It's a tough one. To become who you want to be, you may have to let go of parts of who you are. It's fucking true, guys. <laughs> it's so fucking true. So I remember when I was struggling with my job and I knew I hated it. I hated the person I was becoming. Um, I could feel myself breaking every morning when I was going to work. And I used to be like, oh, you know, it's fine. I will um, give myself some energy by creating the stuff that I like. And so, you know, I, I had a vlog, which is Adele on the Loose. I'm really not sure what to do about that. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to go back to it or not. So it's still there. <laughs> yes, I, I used to get into that. But I realized, like, my mind was all over the place because the dominant thing in my mind was like, I fucking hate my job. So to really commit to what I was trying to create, I had to let go of that. That's on like a practical level, but even on an emotional level, there's certain things I'm trying to let go of, like traumas or pain. Actually, not traumas, pain. Pain that I'm holding on to because it's like comfort to me to hold on to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, to carry this pain with me all along. And I'm just really learning that in order for me to become who I want to be, who I can see myself being, like I can... I can see the, the dope shit that I can do for the continent, for myself. That means I have to let go of dragging this pain with me. That fifth one, I think, is a really important one. Really important one for me. This time last year, my CEO <laughs> at the time. And so this is a guy who runs not only the station that I worked for, but the entire media group. So that had, what, six, seven stations, if I'm, I can't count all of them. So six, seven radio stations, uh, a newspaper, one TV station, one TV network. This guy calls me into his office. And before our interactions were very limited, like, I mean, I was a pretty um, upstanding employee. I never really got into trouble. <laughs> or let's say they never really found out. <laughs> I was doing anything that would get me into trouble. And so I'd never really interacted with him on like a one-on-one -on -one basis. I hadn't worked there for eons because I'd worked there for seven years. Other people had worked there for like 15 years, 18, you know. So by that point, of course, your boy is with the CEO or so you think. So <laughs> let me start from the very beginning. I get um, an email from his PA and it's... Uh, a meeting request. I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. Because you see, at this point, I've already handed in my resignation on the 27th of December. If you listen to all the Legally Clueless podcasts, you would know this. You have to listen to them like in sequence, guys. Yeah, so I get this email request. I'm like, fuck, here we go. So on the day of the meeting, 
I go in, I'm very scared because I know this guy is really good with words. I know he, his end game is to make sure that his station is not stabilized and blah, blah, blah. And I know I, I know what I want and I, I, I know that I don't want to be in this space. I don't want to be at this job, but I also know that I have this blind spot, which is, I really feel for people. So if you use the right words, like you could get me to do whatever. So yeah, at least I'm aware of it. So I go into the meeting, I'm nervous. He has the general manager in the the room as well. And he's normally the guy who would approve if you get a higher salary and blah, blah, blah. So already that communicates to me that they think that I handed in my resignation because they think I needed more money or wanted more money, which was not the case. So I sit down, he, the CEO brings a copy of my resignation letter and he's like, oh, you know, I was so shocked that I, I received this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm smiling because I smile a lot and I'm just like, you know, um, I just feel like this job is not fulfilling anymore. It's not... Um, serving my purpose and i haven't told them you know i i at the time i hadn't turned 30 because my birthday is in february i'm like you know i'm turning 30 soon so i really want to make decisions that will impact my next 10 years i really wasn't lying but i also was not telling him that your workplace is a negative zone that i just don't want to be part of anymore which is one of my many reasons for leaving anyway so <laughs> um because i had and I do this like before or during like a really important decision. I read up a lot and consult a lot. One of the people that I consulted a lot with was my husband because he has more experience with people management and things like that than me. So he told me one thing that you have to do when you go into these negotiations or those type of meetings, don't give somebody a reason that they can promise to fix. So if I went there and said, oh, my problem is, because one of my problems was that I was doing so much, like the, the, the job of four people with minimum support. So I'm producing the show technically and content-wise. I am driving the show, so I am the main host driving the show. During the show, I'm editing everything and lining up the music. I am tweeting, live tweeting, not only from my account, but from the station's account during the show running the facebook and the instagram you know and i was just like guys honestly if i'm doing all of this at the same time for four hours i'm going to drop the ball on one and we can't afford to have that secondly if you check amazing shows the world over they have a team dedicated to the show anyway so I, I couldn't bring that up because obviously then it would just be like, yeah, I promised to get you this. I promised to get you that. So my husband had told me, go in there, just say purpose, life, you know, this abstract things. He's like, you're a poet. You'll figure it out. <laughs> so that's what I did. But what happened is he was jotting down all of, you know, this purpose filled things I was saying. And at the end of the meeting, this guy says, Give me one week to try and see how your purpose and my station can coexist. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> this was not the plan. I naively thought he would listen to me and hear me say purpose and all of these hoo-ha words that I was using. 
and be like, no problem, serve your three months notice, go and find who you are. <laughs> um, so that began our weekly meetings. So in next week's episode, I'll tell you what followed next. But yo, just know, January to March 27th of 2019 felt like 10 years for me. It was three months, but it felt like 10 years but i also learned a lot of legal stuff and i'll be breaking them down for you in every episode just so that if you're in the same position you can try and you know protect yourself as an employee i think we have this culture looking at employees like we're so grateful to have a job that we actually forget that we have rights and that we are actually being paid not for free like we have a skill that we are you know given the company and that is benefiting this company that we're working for. And we're also deserving of protection legally. And there are ways that you can protect yourself legally as an employee. Um, so I'm going to be telling you the ways that I try to protect myself <laughs> um, in the following episodes. But I want us to jump into 100 African stories this week's story is from the Legally Clueless University tour that we did. Went all the way to Meru, which is... Hey, let me try to remember. Was it, did it take us five hours? Yeah, it's like a five-hour drive from Nairobi. And we went to Meru University, set up camp the entire day, and recorded about 11 storytellers. This particular story is one of my favorites, especially the bit that he talks about padlocking his pants to the clothing line. Yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but when you listen to his story, it will all make sense. A hundred African stories. There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, there was a bit of frustration in between all of that. I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. My name is Anthony. I'm from Nyeri, a place known as Karatina. And currently uh, here at Meru University, where I'm pursuing diploma in agriculture. Back in 2015, I was this tiny, this tiny little boy. Also, as you can see, I'm not that. I'm this tiny. <laughs> when I joined Form 1, I guess for, for my first two weeks, my journey was smooth. But uh, on the third week, uh, you usually sleep. There is this double, double-decker. As a Form 1, you are not allowed to sleep uh, at the lower part of that double-decker. The student who was under me, that is under my my upper part of the double-decker, he was a Form 4, and I remember he was very really huge. He was known as Madenge. One, one evening, as I was from my classes, I happened to find them with a group of friends. What surprised me is that uh, I found them in my box. They had already opened it. I, I didn't know how they did it, but I just found, like, everything was just in a mess. You see, I was this tiny, and then I had no uh, courage to approach them and ask them questions because I feared to be bullied. So I just requested them, and I told them, please, who did this? I remember I had two pairs of shoes. I had a rover, and then I had tafis. That day, I had worn my... My tafis. Mm. So rovers back then, if you had them, you felt you were a bazenga. Rovers, mm. it's it's a kind of a shoe. So like a Gucci. Okay. <laughs> like a Gucci. If you had that one. And I remember I, I had got it from my sister on my birthday. So I found it missing. And I asked them, where is my shoe? I can't see my shoe. And I left, I left my box 
closed and now it's it's just open mm-hmm. and I can't find my things. They said no, it's not us. So I went and reported it to building patron and I was told to wait. We had this one phone which used to communicate with the, with your parents. So I reported home and I said, Dad, I can't find my belongings and I don't know who broke into my box and everything is in a mess. So right now I don't have cho- shoes to, to exchange. My dad came to school and when he, ca- he came very bitter and found the deputy principal. And then the deputy principal asked my father, who is your son? My name appeared now in the blacklist. I was so tense and even uh, it reached to a point that I, I, I said to my father, now why did you come? Why did you come? I think now I'm okay. Even, even though I was not okay, I said I was okay. I was this fine. It was so tired, but I didn't find my, my rover. Bullying did not stop at that point. Still this, this man that is Madenge. Now it reached to a point that after classes, you know that is when you are given like three, three shots as you logged in as in to that school you are given three shirts then three these three shirts there was this one shirt that you couldn't wear at all costs even if the other one is good you couldn't wear the, that one was meant uh, for something referred to as miondoko miondoko is when you are going uh, to a girl's high school you want to shine there you want to go looking you see now now that shirt i happened to clean it and then as in to wash it and then as i hanged it it was stolen it was still stolen and then i i reached to a point and said me now i'm going to quit this you know you are you are this form one you are this tiny you had a lot of expectations kifika high school uh, now I'm a man and all will be good. But uh, to my surprise, things changed completely uh, into a point that even I, I, I had to buy padlocks. You see padlock, you see this part of uh, a trouser yeah, where you put the belt. When you have washed your, um, your trouser, then the clothesline, you put a, a padlock here and then you attach it there. Eh, for security purposes, it, it reached a time that I was to, there was inspection back then and you are to be clean on Tuesday. On Tuesday, it was an inspection day, and everything in the dormitories was to be nice, eh? well organized. And then I remember it was on Sunday, and then my, my bed sheet, my bed sheet and my bed, bed covers, I wanted to wash them because it, wa- it was on a weekend, and then because of the Tuesday's inspection, so as I would look groomy, you see, I did not have enough padlocks to, to, to hang all these things. So, what I did is that I remember we had remedies. On Saturdays, we had remedies until around 2. Remedies, they are, they are like preps, but mm-hmm. now you'll, you'll, you'll be having a, a teacher. So the only time you had to, to, to wash your clothes uh, was from 2 now up to 5. So <clears throat> me, me I, I didn't attend them so as I can wash my, my bed sheets and bed cover and then wait for them until they are dry. Mm-hmm. Because now... I. I would not survive. I would not survive without them because if you didn't have them, if you didn't have them and then it came to this inspection day, you are, as in that, even that deputy principal used to, to say that, that you'd be in a hot soup. So now I did it and then I was called now. I was called the deputy principal's office and remember that my, my name appeared in the blacklist because of my father. Then I went there and I was, this is what he told me, Kijana, come here. Why did you not attend your remedies? And then I was this terrified, even to speak, I, I'm speaking to you. So I had a friend, I, I had a friend, as in she was a teacher, but a friend of mine, the money to maintain me there. My parents used to send money to her because you see I didn't have a phone so I, I went and approached her and told her now 
me me have a lot of problems but i don't want you to share them with my father because if you happen to share with my father my father will still come here and then i don't know what would happen i don't know what she did but she went and spoke with the deputy principal and then i was told go back to class it happened that the school or the form 4s and the form 3s were planning for a strike they were striking because of mocks it was that season that schools were being banned like like daily mm. on daily basis you see now i was sleeping at a corner like this one so all the form 4s and the form 3s could come and assemble there now to discuss to discuss about the strike and then i'm i'm there yeah i'm listening there and then they would come i've covered myself and i don't want them to to notice that i am listening but i am listening yes i had them say now what if use this cowboy here to cover everything up you, you know now i'm listening i can hear what they are saying and then all of a sudden this madenge who munya likuwa nalala chini yangu he happened to come kanivurutanisha hivi i had not even closed my eyes mm. i was caught unaware all of a sudden now the blankets are were pulled away and so now oh kijana you are still listening you are listening so this is what we want you to do we want you the power source for dormitories we want you to go there switch off the lights and if you don't obey you know you don't know me yeah, so now if i did this then it would mean uh, in our school we had cctvs and we had even cctvs in trees there was a certain avocado tree and there was a cctv there that was evidence that evidence that i was to be caught and that is why they they used me so as as i was approaching to that power source i realized now what am i doing what am i doing if i am caught i will be expelled completely out of this school and then i knew my father my father is not this eh calm dad is this dad monye if you happen to be caught in a in a mistake he would tell you this my son now you know he kikuyu it sounds very hard my son this money that i am paying school fees for you don't waste it i have a, I have a lot of things to invest in so in kikuyu it was very harsh this is what he used to say dakuna tereri as in you see even the tone <laughs> dakura tiriri beshe cia kwali tishia kwanago dina kundu kuingi muno ingishitumira towe wiki urathoma guko that even it is not only you who is at school i have some siblings so don't waste my money do you understand now i had gone out to the power source something uh, came into my mind and i said i think i can do something i think even though i'm tiny i can do something to surprise this this form force i returned back to my to my bed and then the wake jana where where the light still on and then i could see kuna nyuki azin there was bees you see it is in an open there is bees and then they said kuja tukupeleke when we went together i looked at him and and told now this madenge this this from four who used to bore me i told him eh, you know what i am not going to put to put off the rights now kill me if you want to kill me kill me now kill me but i, I will not risk my father <laughs> it's better i die here but not by 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 my father's hand eh, he grabbed me here and then kijana what are you saying i'm telling you to switch off that light now i said no kill me if you want to kill me you just kill me i don't care it happened that another still form one was passing there and they used him to switch off the the, the lights it was a real strike i remember the strike was started with a single stone one single stone it was thrown at a at a grass eh? so when it was thrown then all, all all the students were out running 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 and then they did not wakanishika and then they told me we are going with you it is you who started it and then they pretended that they didn't have any intention of starting a strike they they, they wanted to put a blame on me that it's me who, who who put off the lights and then it was me who threw the stone i reached a point i was even crying 
I started crying. No, it's not me. They did not stop at that. Now they were about to take me to the deputy principal. Now that it was me, me, I could not, I could not tolerate that. And now going to the deputy principal's office. And remember at first the blacklist. Eh? So I, I think I, I, I told myself, no, no, no. I, I ran. Eh? I sneaked out of school. And I remember we were like the whole four months. But me, me, I, I, I was running from this. They wanted to take me to the deputy principal, but me, I didn't. I didn't want that because I knew that now I would, I would be totally dead. I remember, as in, we went through a place that looked like a swamp. I had slippers, so the slippers after nimeingiza mgu zikakata kutoka. So now I was running barefooted, and I remember the the school was located somewhere around Mount Kenya Forest. It was known as Kiafei. High school, boys' high school. We knew if we, if we could use the the main road, the tarmac road, we could be caught by the police and then kuchapwa. We went through uh, the forest and then I remember on my foot the maram. You know you are running, you are running from the police and then you are this terrified. You see, like me, I'm very now. I'm extremely terrified because I don't know when I reached home. When what will I tell my dad? If I go back to school, I'm feeling of this from force. We just walked, walked like. A place where we, we used to pay a hundred bob, we walked barefooted. Like me, I walked barefooted without any shoe, without any without anything. Until at my foot, as in even Maram now had started as in Nangia Dikwa, Kwamgu. You get on reaching home now my father noticed that this is serious. Uh, he said that I have I have understood this and we are we are now going to transfer you. Mm-hmm. We are going to transfer you, but I happened to read a, a certain article. Uh, by one monk from Europe. It was saying that choices, choices, the choice that you can make is what that is going to determine who you will be. And one way to overcome fear is standing by you. It's standing as in you stand all by yourself. Don't rely on any person. The idea of transferring me to another high school, I happened to tell me, Dad, I'm not transferring. And now you remember the, the whole story. And I was sharing with him, but he didn't believe until this time, that So I said, Dad, I'm going back there. At all costs, I'm going back. Kijana, are you mad now? Last night you came and then all the things that have happened to you. I said, yes, Dad, I'm going back. Go pay the fees, I'm going back. There is nothing someone can't overcome, provided you believe in yourself. Catch our next African stories in the next episode. Anthony's story completely made my day um, while we were in Maroon. We were recording that because the padlock thing, I never saw it coming. Like he started talking about like I had padlocks. I was like, why? <laughs> when you're washing your clothes, where do padlocks come into, you know, the picture? But I never went to boarding school. My mom did. And she would always say, none of my kids are ever going to go to boarding school. I don't know why. I don't know what she went through. Um, could it have been bullying? I don't know. But we just then never went to boarding school. And I remember when I would talk to people who went to boarding school and they always had these fun stories. A part of me would be like, oh man, I wish I went. Until we started as Kenyans having like real conversations about the bullying that happens in some boarding schools. And then we saw the consistency of the strikes that would happen where high school students in boarding schools primarily would like burn the school and stuff. And I was just like, there's something happening in these boarding schools that we're really not addressing. So even as Anthony talks about his story, you know, and and, and everybody's story is their story. What they want to learn from it is really 
up to them. But when he's talking about it, I'm just like, yo, a form one really shouldn't have to be dealing with certain things. I don't know what I would do if like my kid arrived home with like maram in their feet because they were running away, not only from the police, but also from form four students. What the hell? I also found it so interesting that he got inspired by a monk all the way from Europe. It's so crazy that across continents, inspiration is just flying left and right. I also did not want this episode to end without me sending some love to a couple of people who have been DMing the Legally Clueless Podcast Instagram page, which is Legally Clueless Podcast. Sometimes it takes me a while to respond because either I do that thing where I read it and I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm going to respond. And then I respond in my head and not actually hit send. <laughs> or I'm also like trying to tell myself that I do deserve a successful podcast. Like I, I do deserve um, people listening to this podcast because I pour my heart and soul into making each episode every single week. Uh, but part of me is still like, oh, do I really deserve this? So when I see like nice messages, I'm just like, oh, oh my God, oh my God, I don't deserve this. And then I end up not responding. It's a thing. I don't know if it's anyone who does that, but it's the thing. But thank you, Tundu Tanganga. Thank you so much for sending through um, that message. Mukami Mbogo, Cherry Kerubo, Wanja Shirima, there's me, Sarcastic Never, Samoina Case, and there's Olivia Hungaria, and Crispin Lukidi. Crispin used to listen to my radio show on Kiss FM, and now he doesn't miss any of the Legally Clueless episodes, so that really means a lot to me. Obviously, I cannot make a podcast of just shouting out everybody, but you who's listening, I truly, truly appreciate it. And I really just wish you the strength to conquer your fear and create that thing that you really want to create, but you're scared it's not going to succeed or people are not going to receive it well. Just get up and do it. Um, learn from me. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.